Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Rachel, how are you? I've just gone straight <laughs> straight into this by mistake, which is fine. Um, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Chris. How are you? Yes, I'm wonderful. And for our friends at home, Rachel is going to be talking to me about her challenging of Colchester Town Council. Um, Colchester, it's a, it's a garrison town, is it not? It is, but they'll get very cross with you calling them a town because last year they've decided they're a city. Oh, well, there you go. Look, <laughs> does um does that mean they've had to build a cathedral, or am I a bit outdated with my cityness? I, I've not seen the cathedral yet. It it might be lurking somewhere, but as as yet, no. Will it be uh, in large water tower counts? Yes. Will it be an environmental? Um, cathedral i wonder oh i'm i'm sure it will be yes yes so big boxes rachel i'll tell you what i'm going to do with your permission i'm going to play your video just to give our friends at home and i uh, an idea of who you are and the um um the incredible challenge that you've made on the council in the area of um climate change sustainable energy renewables and and this kind of thing so let's let's take a look folks so last night, the full council at Colchester met to pass a motion on the climate emergency that they have declared to push the government to do more. So a few of us decided to go along and just give them our opinion on their climate emergency motion. Now, we did make rather a fatal error, but I'll tell you about that after the second speaker. Good evening. I've been evangelical about renewable energy for over 25 years. That was until the day I actually bothered to research it properly. To my horror, I found that the so-called green initiatives aren't remotely green. They are environmentally disastrous and arguably far worse than anything we are currently doing. But what has shocked me more than the ugly truth about green technology is the attitude of this council when concerns have been raised over the highly polluting products, their inability to be recycled, and the child slave labour involved, not to mention the risk to the public from EVs exploding. Most solar panels are made in China, often with forced labour. The extreme temperatures to make the panels come from burning coal. In the US alone, over 50 million panels a year are installed, generating a million metric tons of hazardous waste, which isn't cost-effective to recycle. Wind turbines last around 20 years and consume a colossal amount of resources and energy to manufacture, not to mention the blight and the bird kill. Diesel engines start them up and then gallons of oil lubricate them, and they can't be readily recycled either. 
I've already informed the Environment and Sustainability Panel that lithium batteries for solar storage and EVs are environmentally horrific. Every year, a single lithium mine causes millions of tonnes of permanent waste laced with sulfuric acid and radioactive uranium, polluting the water supply for 300 years. Not to mention the unacceptable human costs of child labour to mine cobalt. The children directly handle toxic cobalt, with many crushed to death in collapsing mine shafts. Three months after this was first pointed out, the council added 100 e-bikes. And more recently, an order has been placed for electric road sweepers. And now you want to vote for more forced labour solar panels and lithium batteries. So is the anti-slavery policy on the council's website yeah, for just decoration? Because you clearly don't abide by it. These are not just teething problems of new technology. They are fundamental flaws, serious ones which cannot be ignored by anyone who genuinely cares about people and the planet. So, Wow, Rachel, I think my audience have just fallen in love with you <laughs> on what is not such a lovable subject. Um, and the the pictures you flashed up just it it's like the whole world is on has gone mad uh, 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 i'm 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 speechless how people can't see the madness here but then i guess if you only watch the you know the mainstream media narrative and you're told that having your electric car makes you a a, a good person you're not, you know, you're, you're going to be quite blink, blinkered. Am I, am I in the, somewhere in the right area? Yeah, I think so. And that's what's one of the most insidious things about this, that people really are very concerned about the environment and they play on that. They play on people's goodness. And I must admit, I didn't know how bad they were till we started researching them. We knew there was a bit of a fire hazard issue. And it's when we started to look into that, we discovered more and more about the lithium batteries and one of the councillors had mentioned cobalt. So we researched that and it's just awful. And the more you research it, the worse it gets. And then once that first video had gone out then there was messages about you do realize that it's not just lithium batteries that are bad it's the solar panels now i've got solar uh, not much but it was like oh no not the panel as well it was bad enough i just got over how awful the battery is and then it's solar and then you research wind and before you know it everything is not as they've said it, it's all pretty awful which is just devastating for anyone that's bought into it and most people, are, I think, are honest, decent and true. And as a result, are trusting. So they don't lie to people on this scale. So you don't expect other people. You can, it's very easy to be quite naive. It's only once you start digging through all this stuff that you realise, oh, pretty much everything's a lie. But for most people, I don't think they realise just how bad a lot of these things are and the depth of the lies. And... Could you just expand, Rachel, f for us on on the dangers? I mean, off the top of my head, um, I've been made aware over the the bird, the 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 damage or the death to bird life from the wind turbines. Um, I did a piece the other day on the 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 lithium mine, the way that they mine lithium, and these huge. Um, slurry pools for want of a better word that just just toxify the landscape um 
it, it's got to be for you know not just our lifetime but 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 set probably several lifetimes um after then there's the the child labor and then also um i mean uh, obviously a lot more but um yeah sorry over to you rich could you you know explain some of your findings well, yeah, I mean, any form of mining is not great for the environment. So, you know, when, I, when it comes to lithium, I knew there'd be a dirty big hole in the ground and it wouldn't be good. But I hadn't realised about sulfuric acid. As you say, those big slurry pits full of the sulfuric acid to get the lithium out. And that gets into the surrounding water supply and it contaminates it for up to 300 years. So and unfortunately, a lot of these mines, all the easy stuff we've already mined. So we're now on to a lot of the mines, uh, not just for lithium, but for it, for everything um, are on indigenous people's land. So they've been moved off all the good farmland. They've got the really crappy land, but it just happens to have minerals. And now they're being pushed off of that as well. So, yes, there's that aspect to it. Now, there are cleaner ways to do it, um, but some of the biggest mines do use the sulfuric acid method um then yes you do have the child slave labor now a lot of batteries are developing so that they don't need the cobalt but the cobalt is one of the main things that stops them catching on fire so whatever they replace that with has to do a good job with the fire and there's a lot of people argue that you know they do use cobalt for um sort of oil purification and yes they do but the main difference is the amount of cobalt that goes into the batteries that do use them is a, a substantial amount whereas with oil refinery you i think you save but you can reuse the amount so you you use about 98.8 percent you retain with every flush through of oil so it takes a long time to get through a kilo of cobalt so that's the difference i mean none of the child labor is good and you can't avoid it no matter what you buy that's got cobalt in it it will have child labor because 70 percent of it comes from the co uh, congo and it gets mixed in the factories with the 30 percent that isn't so whether we like it or not all our devices have used it so you know people like to have go at me on YouTube because I dared to read my speech from a computer. Well, I'm not going to pretend I don't have a computer or a mobile phone. We all do. Um, the thing is, the amount that's going in these car batteries is, is colossal compared to what's in the phone and the computer. And not that I'm saying I'm OK with the phone and computer. I'm not. Many of us in Colchester, now we've done this research, have vowed that we're not buying any new gadgets. So if anything breaks, I will be buying secondhand so that no new cobalt is coming out on my behalf. Now, I know that's going to make zero in, um, difference to the industry. But if everybody does that, the tech industry and the car industry, they're lucrative industries. They've got more than enough money to go and sort that out. And you cannot tell me you can get a blimmin' great lorry to go and collect that cobalt and you can't supply them with a mini digger or a JCB to go and do that digging. There's no reason it has to be small children. Yes, I wouldn't be feeling too um, guilty about the technology, although I do completely get people putting pressure on you. That's the the nature of putting you putting yourself out there um because i've thought about it a lot rachel now i've I, i'd like nothing more than to just take all the apps off my phone because they're intrusive they're incredibly damaging to the brain i mean they they 
they're designed to reprogram your the levels of frequency that your brain operates at so that everything else in life becomes mundane and boring and we get we live for these you know constant sort of dopamine hits but the reason i'm saying we shouldn't feel too bad about it is society's been shunted you know it's been shunted the way of technology hasn't it um uh, take the workplace no longer can a young let's just use the example of a young man follow his father into the steelworks or the shipping works or or whatever the case may be they're put in a call center or some kind of you know um uh, some kind of service work and it's it's the way the world's gone um what is is there any going back i mean I have this theory that it all started going wrong when we started to take the ore out of the rocks, i.e. stuff you can't put back in. So technically, it's not renewable. I mean, yes, you can renew it several times, but in, in that process, you're going to lose part of your, you know, your steel is, is going to be trashed and rusted away, etc., etc. Do Do we have any answers in in this area, Rachel, or, is, or have I sort of gone too far ahead? Um, I think there are solutions, but at the moment, these are very lucrative and they're being pushed. So my argument is you, they're not going to invest in the better solutions when they can make a load of money out of this. So the types of the technologies that are out there, I would imagine most of us have not seen them. And also when you go back in time to like the original Tesla, not that ridiculous car, but the original Tesla, he was able to suck electricity out of the atmosphere because every, as you probably know, Chris, every meter you go up, there's more and more electricity. And he developed the Warden Tower and was going, wanted to give uh, free electricity to everybody. So you can't tell me that somebody somewhere couldn't do that now and that those patents aren't out there. So all of the things that we rely on, and yes, I don't think we're going to get rid of technology anytime soon as much as I would love to throw that mobile phone in the bin. Unfortunately, I can't um, because we wouldn't be able to do things like this. So there is a good side to technology and I'm sure we could do it better, but also there is that throwaway culture. Like um, had I not lost my last phone on the beach, this one would be about seven years old. Um, you know, you don't need a new phone every five minutes. So there's things we can do. I mean, my laptop's 12 years old. I, I'm still probably the tail end of that generation that if it isn't broken, you don't throw it away. Mm. And even when it is broken, you fix it. And, you know, yes, I could get a faster laptop, but when I'm rendering videos, I go and make a cup of tea. I don't need the latest, fastest computer. So I'm of that generation, as I say, probably the last of my kind, but that's how I was brought up. So we could build things to last, and the generation that's coming up now could get used to the fact that, yeah, you know, you don't need a new phone every five minutes. So if we just use a bit more wisdom in our purchases and this world needs to change at the moment, and we're all aware of that at the moment, profit and politics come before people and planet. If we just reverse that and switched it round, we could do all these things. Corporations need to go. I don't know if you've come across Michael Tellinger, one small world, one small town idea, but 
if we because if you think about it all the material all the raw materials we could ever need are here in the earth for free we've got the labor force that's us why are we going via a corporation if everybody worked together to help one another and you know the people that like growing food grow food the people that like making clothes make clothes they don't need to be in some sweat factory somewhere um then we can all look after each other but we're not doing that. We've got sucked into this corporate world. We just need to all reverse that and say, no, we're not doing that. We're going to sort ourselves out and gradually bit by bit move away from the corporate world. And I'm sure if the average person that had the technical abilities really looked at solving problems and everybody crowdfunded that and helped, we would come up with much better solutions than the corporations do because they're putting profit before people and the planet. So we can do it, but we've got to roll up our sleeves and we've got to do it. We're not going to get the solutions from the very people that caused the pollution and are profiteering from everything. Yes, and they've also, society's been sort of structured hasn't it so that kind of people are reticent about making the morally right decisions and when i watched your video i it's gosh it, it what's the word is it they they all look so is it apathetic they look I've, like oh my god there's something here. We there's this woman saying stuff that we don't understand. We just go along with the narrative. I wish she'd be quiet. Oh my, um, I didn't join the council for this. Trouble is with them, they're caught in a system that is very well set up. It's a system of control. And to get funding, they have to do certain things. All the councils are in masses of debt the money they get from the general public isn't that much because the government and bigger councils pinch it. So like Horses Council, for example, they only get 11 pence per pound. They're in debt up to their eyeballs. So, you know, we're not their first master, even though we should be. So I sort of see it from their point of view. Um, they, the last thing they want is someone coming along and throwing a spanner in the works, albeit a righteous spanner, because they just want to get, get their head down and do what they've been told to do. So... I do see why they react in that way and I'm giving them more problems and more of a headache than they've already got. But unless we all start doing something and make it as socially unacceptable to them as they try to do to us over certain behaviours, we're going to continue down this path. So as uncomfortable as it is for everybody to go through all this, we do need to push ahead and push for the right things because if we don't, they will carry on. And these green tech they are so destructive, many of them, to the environment. They're far worse than what we're doing. And, you know, I'm not saying oil is the key and the way forward. I, I also know that that is polluting. Again, that's a comment I often get. Oh, you're pro-oil. It's like, no, I'm just not wanting to do things that are worse than what we're doing now that are going to cause more problems further down the line because you can't recycle them. So we just need to use more intelligence and the councils you can see why they don't want to be involved in this because it's such a big problem that they're not really equipped to be dealing with and it's um it's also giving people the false impression that something's being done about the energy crisis or the pollution on the planet when in actual fact no it's just you know we've stopped watching the right hand now we're watching the left hand or 
that is my right hand. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just um, black magic, isn't it? It's it's right. Let's just change the goalposts here a bit and put people under the impression that everything's been taken care of. But but um, it's so lucrative for them. I mean, I think I watched a video the other day that said something along the lines of if the whole of America went over to renewables, it was going to cost something like two hundred ninety. To trillion, so that was 1.1 million dollars per adult in the US. Mm. That's just a ridiculous amount of money. Not that it's physically possible because there aren't enough resources to do all this, so it's just complete pie in the sky from start to finish. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's complete craziness, but there's it's there's a lot of money in this, so I think they will. Left to their own devices, they are going to push this for all it's worth till we've used up every single last resource. And also part of me thinks, what happens if lithium is the answer or one of these precious metals for something that you could build it once and it lasts forever and it does incredible amounts of energy and we've gone and used it all in some ridiculous car that's gone and caught fire that they couldn't put out and just polluted the atmosphere worse than anything. We do, shouldn't be taking every last resource for future generations. So the whole thing is just insane. How did you, what, what sparked you, Rachel, to do the research that you've obviously done? And, and, and take action. Yeah, it was going to that very first meeting. I only went along to watch and um, ended up accidentally speaking um, at the first one, made such a hash of it that I thought I'm going to have to go back and do a proper job on this. Um, and that's when I put in the research to, to find out more because I thought, well, if I'm going to go in and do this properly, let's find out everything. And that's when I started to dig more into my horror, discovered that it was a million times worse than just catching fire. And the reaction or how do the council react to the fact that their own policy is kind of contradicted by the direction that, that they're going? They are backpedalling a little bit now. At the last full council meeting, they backpedalled from this is going to save the environment and changed it to, oh, we never said this was good for the environment. It's better than what we're doing now. So we've got another council meeting coming up in a couple of weeks' time and we'll be challenging them on that. So, you know, they're prepared to trash the um, environment, pollute it for 300 years, all the drinking water, and do some um, child slave labour just because it's going to save a bit of CO2 in the long run. And then so we'll be doing a little bit of a comparison just to see if that really is a good idea or not, which obviously it isn't. So that will be the next the next one we'll run at. What what was the motion being voted on in or, or, or have I got that wrong? It was um, to renew the climate change emergency and put more pressure on the government to do more daft things. Uh, what was interesting this time is when it was voted for in 2019, it was unanimous with 51 councillors all voting for it. This time, 17 voted against it. And they cited a lot of the reasons that we'd um, put towards them about the, the fact that these renewables, the recycling of them, the making of them, isn't good for the environment and the council wasn't taking into that that into account so that's what they cited as their reason to say no so some progress yes it's 
crazier. We've got these um, electric bikes cropping up in my city. And it's just one of those things, Rachel, that I'm sure to someone it seemed really good on paper. I'm sure they thought they were saving the planet. But the notion that in my city those things are in any way going to be looked at, they're all going to end up in the nearest river. Um, that's not taken away from the fact that for probably 18 hours a day, if not, if not more, they just sat there rusting away. Um, not yeah, to mention... I'm sorry. And they're littered. We have them too. They're littered all over the streets. We've got people that, whenever they're out and they see one, because we've got the scooters and the bikes, they photograph them. So at some point, I'll do a little montage of all the places these things have been left. And then, hilariously, you see the diesel truck coming round to collect them all. Yes. Um, yes. It also makes me smile the way that our pubs and our bars, well, the few the few that are left, but they all tend to be in the the sort of exclusive area of of town now, not putting the, the death knoll on the uh, tradition, traditional English pub. But they've all tried to um, adopt this Mediterranean sort of way of being by having outside areas. And then as soon as the temperature changes, which let's be honest, in in England it's 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 pretty cold even in the summer, and they put these big patio heaters on, and no one can see the ludicrous. You know what what are we doing as a species? We're we're burning off the oil of you know I call it the shock absorbers of the planet. So that people can pretend that we we live in a different country to the one, to the one, to the one that we do. Um, yes, craziness, craziness. Um, what? Um, uh, yeah, you can you tell us a bit about your YouTube channel, Rachel? Yes, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we set up one dedicated uh, to watching the council. It's called Cultures to Council Watch. And what we're doing is because the last nine months we have sat through hour upon hour of their meetings, trying to glean information and understand how the council worked. Because before all this, none of us had the first clue because, you know, we weren't interested in politics. We're still not, to be honest, but um, we had no idea. So we've watched all of their meetings to try and understand how the council functions. And over that time, we've kind of got to know the councillors quite well um, through these videos. And you think, actually, some of them are doing a really good job. Others, not so much. Um, and a lot of times when you vote, you tend to, or certainly I have, I've voted for someone and hope for the best. Or I've done a protest vote for somebody else and I haven't a clue about either of them because you go on the websites and there's not really interviews or you've just got a picture and a bit of blurb. So it's more hope for the best. And we were thinking people really should get to know who it is they voted for. So now we're watching these videos anyway. So now the people that are watching them are doing copious notes with timestamps. They give them to me and other people. And we come and do uh, like the cricket highlights because you don't want to sit through a four hour meeting. So we give them the highlights and I occasionally give a bit of narration as well um, when I'm feeling cheeky and um, Go, so people in the area can see 
who they voted for, what their opinions really are and what they're doing. I've got a great one coming out um, this evening, actually, on the licensing or extortion committee, as I my pet name for them. Um, people need to see which ones are trying to help small businesses and which ones are trying to shaft them. And I think people will be quite surprised when they see which ones are supportive and which aren't, because it's not what you'd think. What I do with these um, videos is I never say which political party that person is from. I just want people to get to know the councillor because who cares what political party they're from? Are they any good at their job or not? Do they care? Do they serve the people? So we're hoping that we can really build the audience and people all over Colchester really get to know their council. And we're also hoping that they see how it's run and take one look at it and go, I'm not having this. I'm going to become a councillor um, so, and get more interest because only 31% of Colchester bothered to vote. And I can see why, um, because they don't, you know, the council don't do as you ask. So if nearly 70% just were so fed up with them that they couldn't be bothered, if we can get more of those people interested in what's going on, and we've got some real characters in the council. I mean, some of their videos are just hilarious. They are the gift that keeps on giving with some of these videos. So we're able to put the clips together and sometimes they'll mention what we're doing in the videos. So we did one recently, a uh, councillor thought some of our filming was unfair. So I did a video response to that and explained the background and actually gave our council some rules to follow. If you don't want to be in a video, you know, don't do this, this and this, and then you'll be fine. So, um, you know, we do have some fun with it as well. It's not all just dry and boring stuff, but we want people all over the country should be doing a council watch so that they're really shining the spotlight on what those councillors do. Um, and that is how you'll bring about change because you go in and have your say, you've got three whole minutes, they listen sort of, and then they just ignore you when you've gone and carry on as before. But if they are getting, every time they go out in the street, someone says, I saw you in the video, what you did, thank you so much, or the opposite extreme, that will be bring the behavioural change that they like to make in the public, that will bring about to them. And they will really get to know public opinion, because most people have not got a clue what is going on in their local council. Yes, when you were, it, when you were saying that, I was getting visions of... Um... Ca carry on council <laughs> oh, the, I had a where, of that name i could have used that oh. yes <laughs> i could just imagine sydney james now you know just 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 tell the public what they want but <laughs> well the thing is they forget the cameras are on them and in mm. these meetings like this this one that's coming out this evening they're just talking away about no, no, we can get some more money out of them. And it's like, you do realise there's a camera right behind you, don't you? Oh, well, OK, let's get that out tonight. <laughs> Are you in touch at all? Because somebody challenged, was it Glastonbury Town Council? Yes, Sandy Adams, yes. Sandy, yeah, that was... Can you remind me what she challenged them on? Was it the health policy? Um, well, she did a net zero debate. And actually, Karina and I, she's one of the other speakers from Colchester, we actually went to that debate, met Sandy and all the people that um, she had as speakers. And we've actually asked Colchester to do the same here. Now, in Glastonbury, the uh, mayor was the only person they could get to stand up in favour and speak on in favour of net zero. 
Uh, XR were there, but they wouldn't come forward with any speakers, so they couldn't actually have a proper debate. It ended up being very one-sided. But um, the leader of the Colchester Council has agreed in principle to a debate. Now, obviously, we've got to finesse all the details. Um, but yes, we're hoping to do the same thing here. But this time, we really do hope either the Green Party or XR will bring someone along with evidence, not flawed computer models, and we can have a proper debate on net zero and the policies. Because what we're finding is, and we've, you know, we've written to the council and we've gone in, we asked them, have you looked at all the information regarding the climate? And because they brought it upon themselves to declare a climate emergency. And we said, well, what data did you look at? Why, why have you declared this? Because the IPCC haven't declared it themselves. Neither have the UK government. They passed a motion to declare it, but they haven't. So why as you as local council think we have an emergency? Just down the road, the other council hasn't. So do we all move there where there isn't an emergency? Anyway, they, they couldn't give us anything other than the IPCC said type of stuff. So we then said, well, have you looked at any dissenting information? And the answer came back is no, I don't think so. Now, they have said on record, on public record, that they will look at all the available information and they haven't. And I've been going backwards and forwards with their climate emergency officers who haven't been overly open, let's say, to looking at all of the information. So therefore, we do need this public debate because if we cannot get it through to the officers who are the ones that steer and guide the councillors in every decision they make, if they're not giving them the full picture, how on earth can those councillors make informed evidence-based decisions when they haven't had all the information and evidence? So that is why we want all of those councillors there at a meeting, listening to experts that have worked at the UN, have had um, peer-reviewed climate published data and papers, they need to be listening to them and be able to ask some questions directly. So that's what we're pushing for, to bypass these officers who are very biased, even though it's in their code of conduct not to be. Yes, my worry there, Rach, was the UN scientists would be, <laughs> would be even more biased. No, um, he's not. He left the UN because he, he could see he, he was an advisor there for 10 years. And then when he on something else, but when he turned his attention to climate and he's written a book on it, actually, um, Peter Taylor. Um, so, yeah, he, he's fully aware of what's going on and he disagrees with how the data has been manipulated. Very much so. He, I mean, he's probably been they wouldn't employ him now, put it that way. He's been cast out, but he has those credentials. That's so much better than me reading stuff and then regurgitating it to the council. I'm not a climate expert. If I bring in someone that is, who's irrefutable, then that's going to get through so much better than our little three-minute spiels that we do every two months. Rachel, I'm just looking... Sorry, when I'm looking across, I'm not being rude, I'm, I've got our, the live chat up here and there's some wonderful comments coming in. Um, oh, yes, um, this woman is spot on and many, many, many similar comments um you don't have to comment on this if it's not you know not your sort of area of knowledge but someone's asking about what's going on with the skies is that anything you have a uh, i haven't delved into that purely but well i have for my own personal stuff purely because i don't think Colchester council are ready for us to start talking about geoengineering so baby steps you've got to meet them where they're at and hold them by the hand and gradually bit by bit it's on our list but it might take us a while to get there. We've got to tackle CO2 first and then maybe move on to the other stuff. 
Yes, no, very, very, yeah, probably very wise. Um, it gets confusing, Rachel, because I chatted to Dane Wigington fairly recently and um, a super, super chap, probably, I think it's fair to say, the world's leading knowledge on, you know, on ge- geoengineering. And um, this is where it gets confusing because he said the reason we're seeing what's going on in the skies is because the the corporate mentalists have, have damaged the planet so much. He quoted something crazy, and, and don't quote me on this, but it was, you know, 80 billion barrels of oil in su- is being used per day or or. Or, or I've probably got that completely wrong, but he quoted this statistic that made me go, whoa. And he reckons the reason we're seeing uh, the blocking out of the sun is because, be- well, in order to keep the climate down be- because they've done so much damage. And I'm not trying to be, you know, um, objectionable here or anything. I was just, ah, uh, that's kind of confused things. <laughs> um, so I've no idea. I've not gone into it in that depth. I prefer to focus on things I think I can affect. Um, and it, it's starting off small and getting bigger. Um, so I, I must admit, I don't study it too much because one, I don't want to be that depressed. And one and two, I can't really do much about it at this moment in time. Um, so I've left it well alone, along with a lot of other subjects. Yes, no, it's um, it's very wise, Rachel, isn't it? You know, we we have to have the influence that we can that's at our disposal that that doesn't that and that also keeps our spirit up, literally, um, because it, you... and it it takes you away. It's another distraction, and there's so many that I try. Yeah, it's not cuddle time. I try and stay really focused. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Honestly, you're 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 um, doing fantastic work. Do do you advise people? You in a position to advise people that might want to challenge their council or or set up a council watch themselves? Or is yeah, what are we doing on the channel? Is I've got um, playlists, and there's one that is um, dedicated to show people how to talk to their council, how to edit videos. Um, and also there's a, I've created a Dropbox resource folder where all our speeches, all our research, all of the freedom of information requests, all the emails backwards and forwards on climate change and other stuff, which reads like war and peace, all of that is at their disposal. So yes, people must get along and do this themselves. And all those resources are available on Colchester Council Watch YouTube channel. And we've got a backup on Odyssey as well. You're brave and you're organised. <laughs> <laughs> um Rachel just stay on the line so I can thank you properly but friends at home thank you to everyone who's joined in the live chat I hope you've got as much out of this as as I as I have if I could please ask you to like and subscribe as always check that you're still subscribed because uh we get a lot of people unsubscribed from us if you can support the channel folks please do so on locals patreon just become a YouTube member for one ninety nine, and um, that just leaves me to say thank you for tuning in. Look after yourselves. Much love. 
Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.